Do you obsess over barbecue? Or maybe you're just getting started and want to learn more. Light up the pit and join me, Kurt Mueller, lifelong barbecue fanatic and competitor on the pro circuit as I have the most passionate people in barbecue from pit masters to restaurant owners. Join me on the show, sharing their barbecue journey, their unique tips, tricks, timelines, and techniques that will make sure your barbecue gets better every time you fire up that grill or pit. Welcome to The Barbecue Life. Welcome into The Barbecue Life. I'm your host, Kurt Mueller, joined today by Chris and Connor coming to us out of the Tampa, Florida area. Chris, Connor, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So let's educate the audience. So let's educate our listeners. Uh, first and foremost, tell us about Hooked on Q. This is your barbecue trailer that you recently started. Tell us about this journey, how you got into this. And it's a crazy world of barbecue. So let's hear about it. <laughs> well, I started smoking pork and doing barbecue at home. I've always liked to cook. I actually, I think I started doing that when you were still just a young kid. <laughs> and had been into it for a while, got a uh, barbecue sauce and some rubs down and a few things like that. And then um, as Connor, you know, grew into adulthood, he, he started cooking and you tell him about how you got into it. Yeah, so I, I got into it about six years ago, right about this time. Um, I had a little Weber Smoky Joe given to me and uh, I've always had a passion for cooking, but never really grilling. So when it was given to me, I really didn't know what to do with it. But on the way home from work that day, I, I actually started YouTube, like how to run a smoker. And uh, that weekend, I smoked my first brisket. I mean, I went all in on a freaking brisket, you know, probably spent $80 on it or something. <laughs> but yeah, I just grew from there. I became addicted and uh, just try to, you know, perfect it as best as I can, you know, for the last couple of years. And it kind of just grew into, you know, everybody saying you need to sell this stuff, you know, and yeah, so that's kind of how I got started. And I love it, man. It's it's a passion. So I, I'm definitely addicted to it. So but. I think this episode is all about uh, turning that passion from a hobby into a profitable and sustainable two key words, profitable and sustainable business. And that's what I want our listeners to understand is that that's what this episode is about. And I think that's really important. It's also equally important that everybody understands you want to be profitable and you want to be sustainable. It's great to start a business, but you want to be around in five years, right? You know, you don't just want to be one or two years and then you go on to something else. So tell us about this hooked on cue. Tell us about the catalyst behind this to actually launch this food trailer. How did that all come to be? Well, so we started comparing notes on cooking secrets and side items and things like that. I know for me, like Connor and I have been family friends for a long time His with his parents. And um, the first time I had the idea was we actually did the rehearsal dinner for his sister's wedding. And it was about 60 people and everything turned out great. And we were at, people were asking us, where'd you cater this from? It was so good. And that was when I finally, this light bulb, it was a group of strangers. It wasn't the normal friends and family. And it, it hit me like, man, we could do something with this. And fast forward to a couple of years later, Connor was into it. You asked me about doing the uh, Lakeland uh, Pig pig Fest. Yeah. So I um, obviously when I knew I wanted to do something with it, I was like, let's try to get into the competitions, you know, um, kind of see where our stuff stands, you know. And obviously we're right here in Tampa. So Lakeland Pig Fest, this was like December of 22. So the next big one was Pig Fest. So I actually reached out to Chris because he makes his own sauce. And um, I asked him about using the sauce for 
you know, like my chicken and ribs and stuff. And uh, when I told him that, he, you know, he was asking like when it was and he was all in it. And uh, so we actually, we did it together. I think our best place was a 12th and ribs. I think that was our best one. Uh, we competed in the backyard. But uh, yeah, it's ever since then, then we started talking about the food truck and just made, made it all happen. So. Oh, it's funny because we were actually at Lakeland Pig Fest in 23 as well. Uh, we yeah. were on the pro side. I didn't realize how big the vending side could actually be. So I'm not going to make that mistake again. We're going to be better prepared next time for that because yeah. there's a lot of a lot of people. Big festival. It's an established festival. So I've heard numbers as high as 100,000 people over the course of that, you know, two or three day festival. So it's pretty, pretty neat there. And I also think, too, that, you know, it's always I always make sure I mention this huge difference between competition barbecue and regular barbecue, right? Quote unquote, regular barbecue. I know that's subjective, but yeah. I always like to make sure that our listeners, our audience understand that is that, you know, competition barbecue, regular barbecue, two very different things. So always keep that in the back of your mind. So really you guys have been in business then with the food trailer for less, well, a little over, well, less than a year actually, right? Right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. All right. So this is great because, again, we've got a lot of listeners that that are on the cusp of that. We've got a lot of listeners that maybe started with the competition route or very similar to what you guys mentioned. You know, people are like, hey, where's this catered from? And you're like, it's not catered from anybody. I cooked it. They're like, oh, my God, this is great. Right. Very similar stories. So you launched the truck. You competed you're on the backyard. You know, you, you got you, you threw your hat in the ring, so to speak. But what's it what I think is was very valuable is that it's it's so fresh on your mind. So let's talk about, I always like to start with challenges, right? I always like to start with what were the speed bumps? What were those learning opportunities? I don't like to call them, you know, I like to be more on the more on the positive side of things. So so what are those learning opportunities thus far you guys have learned? And then we'll talk about some of the victories. Let's talk about the learning opportunities so far, though. Well, I think going back just to the competition even itself, there was two things that really stood out in my mind. One is um, we were both, felt like we had to be obsessed with using real wood and not, mm. not pellets. And the, I don't know if you remember if you were at it, but it was really cold and windy that week. And yep. the smoker was just, it was impossibly difficult to keep it. We, we got it together, but it was a lot more work. And we noticed so many of the people around us that were using pellets and not battling all that fuss. And um, so just realizing that, um, you know, some of the stuff that traditionally might have not been the way to do it, it has changed some and there's easier ways to do it. So you don't have to sweat as many things out. Um, the other thing that I know I learned at this for sure was, um, you know, I was talking to the judges afterwards and my the sauce I made got like, I think, around 20th out of 50 entries or something. And of course, I'm really competitive. You know, that that David Goggins thing we were talking about, you just yeah. want and so I'm talking to the judge and he and he says, you know, listen, you guys probably smoked a lot of food, get a lot of compliments from friends and family, that kind of thing. Right. And I said, yeah, definitely. That's why we're here. We, he said, well, what you have to understand is that's college football. You're in the NFL now. And these guys are all really, really good at it. It's not um, the, the worst thing. The worst entry out here is probably better than something you could go down the street and buy. And so understanding exactly where the playing field was at, that was another just mental hurdle to get over. And I don't know if you got anything else you thought of about that, but we can get into some other hurdles with the truck too. But. Yeah, I'll, I'll touch on the, the competition again. So obviously going into it, I did a lot of YouTubing, just like a lot of people with 
you know, how to build a box, dude. I mean, that's how I learned how to build a box. It was always like you run a stick burner or a drum smoker. Like there was not really a pellet. Room. You just didn't hear about it, at least from what I would look at. So we actually uh, like custom built uh, like a stick burner, um, put it like on a little old John boat trailer, painted it, made it nice, tested it a couple of times before pig fest. But that's what we competed on. And like he said, it was windy, cold. I'm out there three o'clock in the morning fighting a fire. There's not a soul in sight awake. And all you see is, you know, traders and pit boss, whatever, you know, all, all the pellet girls out there. And so it just, it made you realize like, dang, okay, I didn't even need to worry about bringing this, you know, I could just bought my Traeger. But I mean, I, I think running a, you know, a wood smoker does put a unique flavor on it and everything like that. But, but yeah, so that, that was pretty much the biggest thing for me with the competition. Yeah, I wouldn't, you know, I definitely understand the need to, you know, obviously, you know, you ask 100 pit masters, you're going to get 100 different answers. And there's this age old debate of pellet versus gravity feed versus stick burner versus drum versus, I mean, you're going to get 100 different opinions. And I would say what I always say is that is cook what you're comfortable on. You know, you can, I've had great barbecue off a stick burner, off a pellet grill, off a drum, off a, you know, if you know what you're doing, you know what you're doing. And I think that sometimes, we tend to fall into this like, well, you know, if I don't, if I don't use real wood, then it's not going to be as good, you know, or, or if I use a pellet grill, that's not like true barbecue. And of course, I'm sure you're on all the Facebook pages and you see people arguing about it all the time. It's an age old debate that will never go away. We're always going to argue about it. Right. But for me, you know, I've got, I've got a stick burner. I've got a gravity feed. I've got a drum. I've got just about everything you can imagine. And you know what, at the end of the day, I, I take the approach of, uh, you know, Robbie Royal, right? Pitmaster 2024 uh, uh, champion. And actually he just won uh, 20, the uh, big pig jig down in uh, Vienna, Georgia. But his take on it is, look, you know, I like my sleep. <laughs> so, That's I mean, you, you know what I mean? I like my sleep and, and there it is. So he cooks on a stumps gravity feed. And, you know, our main cooker is a deep south uh, gravity feed. And, but to your point, Chris, I know you talked about you know, where one of the judges or one of the reps was saying, hey, look, you probably get a lot of compliments. That's college football. This is the NFL. You know, I see what he's trying to say. Again, I just go back to what I said before, and that is competition barbecue, regular barbecue, two very different things. Here's what I have noticed, too. Just because somebody can cook great competition barbecue doesn't mean they can cook for 300 people. Right. And vice and vice versa. Right. You could have somebody that makes great. That's a great caterer that can cook for 500 people. You throw them into a contest and they're you know, fish out of water. So I just think it's, it's different, right? It's different. And, you know, for me, I looked at what's more profitable. You know, I just looked at the numbers. I'm a numbers guy. What's more profitable. And clearly, you know, we all know competition barbecue, unfortunately is not a good retirement strategy. (laughs) So it's not a good, it's, it's a hobby, right? It's a hobby. So, but I think it's really cool about you guys. You took action, right? People are telling us our barbecue is really good. So you took action. Let's go compete against the very best. Lakeland Pig Fest, probably one of the biggest con- you know competitions in the Southeast, maybe even the country. I don't know. So you, you went to a huge competition, threw your hat in the ring, and then you said, you know what? Let's let's make this a business, right? So you took action, and I love that. And when you guys reached out, I was like, hey, this is awesome. You need to come on the show and talk about taking action because so many people – I talk to people all day long that have great ideas, great theories. They do a lot of market research. They never take action. So I'm like, well – you got to, you know, water, get off the pot. You, you got to, you got to move the football forward. So on the food trailer side, let's, let's touch on that for a bit. So that's been going for less than a year. Let's talk about those, those, those challenges, those learning opportunities and those victories on the, on the, on the business side of things, on the food trailer side of things. 
Yeah, I would say I th- I think our biggest challenge, and it's one I candidly we don't have figured out all the way yet, is the events and being able to predict how much you you're going to sell. The the best and the worst thing about the actual transaction is that when we set up, the food's already done by the time you start selling it. And so you're not made, it's not made to order. You can turn it around quickly. You're just plating it, but, but trying to make sure that you either run out or come close to running out and you don't wind up with 40 pounds of pork left over. Um, and you don't have a gig for three days or something, you know, whatever you're doing. Um, I think estimating that is, was one of the big things. I don't know what else I did. Tell them about, I guess, the, you know, just the generator, whether we should have a backup generator. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the uh, the Predator, um, it's what yeah. a lot of food trucks are running. And uh, so we have a, a 9,500 inverter. I mean, this thing could probably run a house. But uh, we, we bought this one brand new, um, no hours on it, and we like had nothing but problems with it. I mean, we'd be in the middle of an event and this thing would just die on us. And, you know, we're in there sweating and, you know, trying to serve people food, you know, just, just mad, you know, but really, you know, trying to keep a smile on your face, you know, because... Mm customers but you know you got sweat dripping i mean it was a mess and finally uh luckily we had a warranty on it so we actually a couple of weeks ago went and got a new one um and it's you know it's been working fine but um it's just working out the kinks honestly um i'll tell anybody man like a food truck is a lot of work like i kind of researched it before we got into it and i knew it was, it was going to be work you know and, and me and him both work full-time jobs so mm-hmm. we're trying to balance this uh you know doing some events on thursday nights or you know, even just the weekend, you know, and, and just, just being prepared. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is just having the right equipment and it's all a learning curve. I mean, we've learned, we're getting better uh, with just equipment and, you know, being prepared, but yeah, I mean, there'd be times where I'm, I'm up all night, you know, cooking where it's just prepping, you know, yep. getting things eyes, keeping the trailer clean. You know, I, that's one thing we're big on is just keeping everything clean, keeping everything wiped down. So it's a lot, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's worth it, you know, when, when you're just, you know, selling left and right and, you know, people are happy, you know, coming back to you after they eat saying, you know, it's the, the best pork I ever had or whatever it is. Um, it's rewarding, you know, so it makes it all worth it. But yeah, I think just being prepared is, is the biggest thing. Um, and like Chris said, trying to determine how many people were, you know, but it's barbecue, we're going to sell out. I mean, biggest barbecue places in you know texas or whether it's franklin you know people are in there at 3 a.m in line waiting for food you're lucky if there's brisket left at 10 a.m so it's just one of those things you know we, we've had some some bad comments you know just oh you know we should have came earlier you know what i'm saying you know you know yeah. what time when you know you got to be there you know it's we can't just whip up a brisket real quick you know or whip up a, a pork butt you know those take 12 to 16 hours you know easily so but yeah it's been fun like i said just you know, working out the kinks and trying to, you know, be better, be better prepared with equipment and stuff. So the other thing that came to mind too, was um, sort of just the business side of it and being a proactive about finding the right um, markets. Florida is really popular November through like March, the weather's better pop-up markets, but you got to get ahead of the, you know, the curve on that, get your applications in early, and so scheduling that ahead of time and taking the time to do that so you actually have places that are meaningful to go, you know, set up at. Uh, we did a, one of our best days just a couple of weeks ago. It was at a, a pop-up market just down the street from here. And um, it wasn't massive compared to some things, but they only allowed four food trucks and, I don't know, a thousand or so people or something like that came through there. And 
we had a really good day. It was steady and busy the whole day. Um, but, but we had to reach out and, you know, you got to make that kind of stuff happen. If you're just passionate about barbecue, but you don't also want to sell and meet people and talk to this and fill out applications, you know, th those things are, could be roadblocks for you too. That's a great point. Yeah. You can be the best, you can be the best pit master in the world, but if you're not a people person and you can't explain and clearly articulate your value to people and chat with people and listen, you're not going to make it. I mean, I just call it what it is. I mean, that's just not going to happen. You may be a great competitor because you really don't have to talk to many people when you're competing. In fact, if you are, you're probably cheating, right? <laughs> if you're yeah. talking to the judges, you're probably, you're probably getting some inside information. But, you know, again, I go back to the fact that you took action, right? You listened to the feedback. You said, OK, we got something going on here. Put your neck out there risk failure right and in some in some in, in your mind maybe you did fail right maybe 20th out of 50 on the sauce is not good enough i mean i know in the eyes of david goggins it wouldn't be we all know what he would say right so but the, but the point is you stuck your neck out there you took action you followed it and now you're pursuing it and that's the biggest thing that i think excites excited me about having you guys on the show is just for you know our audience our listeners out there hey look you know, at some point, if people keep telling you, you make good barbecue or whatever, you do X really well, hey, monetize that. Turn that into a profitable business. Never know where that could take you. I mean, look at the look at the Heath Riles of the world. Look at the Malcolm Reeds of the world. I mean, look at these guys. They started what? In their backyard. Look at Ryan Lane, Lane's Barbecue, you know, selling barbecue on a pro, at a produce stand on the side yep. of the road 10 years ago. Now look at him. You know, he's an academy and you know, uh, Bass Pro Shops. I mean, so you just you just never know. You're not going to know unless you take unless you take action. And you know, you guys touched on this. You're going to have those bad days. You're going to have people that give you negative feedback. No matter what you do, no matter what you do, you, you're going to have you're going to have people that are going to complain. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to sell out, though. I really don't. I mean, yeah, if you're selling out within 30 minutes, you're probably undercooked. You know, but really, I mean, at least for my target. When we go out, I want to sell out in an hour and a half. If we can sell out in an hour and a half, then we we create that exclusivity. I know that I can control it because I'm like you guys, right? It's just me. Like I don't have a team of, you know, 20 hands, you know, 20 or 30 hands to help me on the pits, you know, so I don't want to get myself overextended. And then all of a sudden my quality start to suffer in my mind. And I know a lot of commercial barbecue joints are not going to like me saying this, but it's okay. It's my show. They... <laughs> I think commercial barbecue is going downhill in this country because they have to produce so much barbecue to maintain their margins at reasonable, profitable levels that, that they can't maintain the quality. And they have to, and I don't know about your area, but in our area, I know exactly what they're doing. These commercial joints are hiring 15 and 16 year olds to run their pits because they can pay them 10 bucks an hour. All and right. I'm sorry, they just don't know what they're doing. And it shows in their product, you know? And so I think, you know, you guys touched on this. You know, like Franklin's Barbecue, Snow's Barbecue in Texas. Like, you know, you look at what they're doing, like Snow's Barbecue, open one day a week. That's it. Saturday, 9 a.m. That's it. They cook what they cook. They sell out with their clothes when they sell out. So I'm not so convinced that, you know, commercial barbecue can scale up. Everybody talks about, you know, it's the buzzword. All the Instagram gurus talk about scaling up, scaling up, this, that, and the other. I'm not so convinced you can do that with commercial barbecue and still maintain your quality. And I just look at Aaron Franklin, you know, Franklin's barbecue. They only serve lunch. I mean, people are lining up, like you said, 6 a.m. for lunch. I mean, that's crazy, you know. Right. So I'm not so convinced, like I said, that 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 the whole like scaling up thing is actually viable for barbecue. 
maybe for other, you know, food categories. But again, I go back to what I said before, and that is you guys took action. And that right there is is 90% of the battle. And who knows? We might talk to you guys in a year and you're like, yeah, we quit our full time jobs like I did. <laughs> and we're pursuing this craziness, you know, like full time. You never know where it's going to take you. Right. Yeah, no, scaling it up is tough. I think that's true with just about any any uh, food business. I've got some friends that own a couple of pizza places that do gourmet type pizza. And um, when you get as it grows, it's the temptation is to, like you said, you know, look for cheaper labor and where to cut corners. And you add up enough corners being cut. And eventually what you started out with in the first place isn't even there anymore. That's exactly right. I always jokingly tell Connor that the dream is free, but the hustle is sold separately. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. great quote. That, that is that is dead on the money. That is you're exactly right. And I think so many people, they don't understand that when they get into this kind of business. You know, yes, it's great to pursue your passion and pursue your dream and do what you enjoy to do. However, you have to match that passion with the same work ethic. Otherwise, it's just you're going to be forgotten very quickly. Right. So speaking of, that's a good transition. So how do you guys stand out, right? So you're in, you're in the Tampa area. That's a big metro area in the United States, much bigger than the Augusta area, right? So I would consider that a major metropolitan area. And I'm sure there's dozens, maybe, maybe even a hundred barbecue food trucks. I don't know, but there's other food trucks as well. So, so that's a good lead into this question. And that is, what are you doing to stand out, right? How, how are you separating yourself from you know the rest of the crowd in that in that food truck space. So I think that's something we're still somewhat figuring out. But um, part of it was us obsessing over finding the unique ways to do the the typical things that would be on a menu. So you know preparing the ribs differently. What can you do that adds some kind of uniqueness to that? The rubs, the sauces. Um, our side items, we spent a lot of time like, and it's, um, most of them with maybe except one or two, it's stuff you would typically hear about mac and cheese, baked beans, coleslaw. Um, but we're, we're trying to make a unique dressing for the slaw or what's something else seasoning wise we can do to the mac and cheese. Um, we ex- experimented with a lot of things with the baked beans and got that narrowed down, but literally it was almost like doing AB tests. Like we would make it one way, one time. And then change it for a group of people that had had it before and see what the feedback was and then fine tune the ingredients from there. We've also got um, one of our, I, I think it's kind of our a sort of best kept secret of the menu, the barbecue pasta salad. <clears throat> it's not super common. And, and a lot of people here, they'll ask you, like, what's in the dressing? And you tell them, oh, it's a combo of mayo and barbecue sauce. And they, that doesn't sound as appeasing or appealing to for some reason. But then when we like we were at that event a couple of weeks ago and I started giving out free samples of it to people and pretty much 100 percent of them that, that took two bites of it came back to the truck and ordered some. So finding unique ways to get something that's not traditional out there is one. And then the other would be the traditional items. But what's your twist on it? Trying to perfect that. I don't know. So how, how can our listeners while I'm thinking about it, how can our listeners and audience engage with you guys? Where can they find you on social media? Uh, do you have a website? Let's talk about those social media handles. Yeah, definitely. We are uh, hookedonq.com um, is our website. And then we're at Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all under the same name, Hooked on Q. There you go. And for our listeners, like always, we'll have those links in our show notes so you guys can follow these guys and follow their journey, which I think is 
really, really cool. I mean, they're in a major metro area with a lot of competition, and they said, to hell with it. Let's do this thing, right? Let's make it happen. So, yeah. And they're working full-time jobs too, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> I but, bet it is. So is, is balance. So is balance even a word? Is that even in your vocabulary or is that just kind of like a pipe dream? Well, what we have gotten a little bit better about it. I, I, I don't think it's so much balance, but it's um, not just literally saying yes to every possible opportunity. Um, yep. you just can't do that. And uh, I mean, you can't do it physically. There's only hours in the day and then trying to be selective about that while you're getting it going. It, it's, it, you're still going to be working really hard, but you know, not trying to do back-to-back weekday things if you can't take the time off your day job, you know, stuff like that where you, you know, trying to make it all work and sleep four hours or something. That's just not sustainable. You, you mentioned that word earlier and we're still figuring that out. We, we want to keep growing it, like you said, and ultimately do more and more of this. Um, we would love to one day, you know, be back here with you and tell you we have a brick and mortar spot that's killing it. And, you know, I think people like Franklin, we were just in KC, we went to some of the places out there, Joe's, Slops, uh, those guys where you have a line of people out the door, you know, at six o'clock in the morning, that's, you know, that's how you really know you're, you're doing something great and working towards that end. I think it, it, you want to make sure though, that you're doing it. I, and I've failed at other things because I didn't understand balance. And I, <laughs> my wife will tell you, I still don't have it perfected either, <laughs> but, um, um, you burn out on it. And so that sustainability goes out the window when you just hit a wall and you're exhausted and can't feel like you can't do it. The passion you had for it can only sustain you so long. You've got to have some discipline and balance to go with it. So as we kind of wind things down, I always like to end with some parting words of wisdom straight from y'all. So for those out there that are on the cusp, maybe got a few competitions under their belt, looking at getting, you know, a food trailer, food truck in the barbecue space, what are some parting words of wisdom uh, from your perspective that you can give them as they go along this journey? Man, I would say don't undercapitalize yourself. You don't have to have a ton of money to get started, but there's mm-hmm. a bunch of things that you're you're going to need that are more than just you know buying the trailer or whatever. Thinking about that, and then thinking about that you know that, that you're not going to be taking money out of this anytime soon. It, it most all of what we you know. We, we've cleared, we've made money on it, but the money's all going back into the, so we can keep growing these things, buying additional appliances, getting the setup so that you can do it at a little bit more scale. I, I'm sensitive to that, to your point about the commercial stuff, but those would be a couple of things. I don't know, Connor, anything you want to add there? Yeah, I would just say, don't, don't be afraid to just go for it. I mean, you're always going to have that person in your ear, you know, trying to talk you out of it, but you have a passion for it, you have a passion for it. And I mean, What's the worst that's going to happen? You know, you go try to sell or whatever, and or you go compete and you get last place. I mean, it it's going to happen. But yeah, just don't be afraid to go for it. Um, and don't let your passion slip away from you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we did two events in one day. I mean, we did an event from nine to one and then from like four to eight. So that night I got probably two and a half hours of sleep. But, you know, I, I wasn't like thinking in my mind, oh, why am I doing this? You know, I love it. You know, it wasn't it wasn't work to me, you know. But, you know, like I said, as you start selling it, you know, people are smiling and, you know, it makes you feel good. It's rewarding. So, you know, don't be afraid to go for it. That's that's my biggest, biggest word of advice. I love that. That's a great way to wind things down. Powerful way to wind things down there. Chris and Connor with Hooked on Q out of the Tampa, Florida area. Make sure you guys follow them, follow them along this journey. And guys, we appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks again. 
Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks so much for listening to The Barbecue Life. Share this episode with a buddy who loves barbecue or is just starting to get into it. Follow us for more on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Talk to you next time. Keep calm and smoke on.